All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. I don't know about you, but I am an absolute zombie today. But this is the Stanley Cup playoffs. You grind through it. This is the Daily Faceoff Show, a playoff edition. And he is Matt Larkin, our senior writer and managing editor. Matt, how you holding up? Big loaded slate of games last night. Yeah, zombie is the word. I'm thinking of the old cartoon. I think it's like a Tom and Jerry where where he tapes his eye eyelids open and that's sort of me right now we're grinding it out but we got this we got this my friend yeah uh certainly a lot of news to pass along before we even dive into last night's action that is one Sidney crosby will sit out game six uh with a suspected concussion i reported on dailyfaceoff.com moments ago that Sources say Crosby did experience concussion-like symptoms. Mike Sullivan would not reveal the nature of the injury, but did confirm that he is out for Game 6 as the Pens have reshuffled their lineup. Evgeny Malkin moves up to the top line. Evan Rodriguez centers the second line as the Pens will try and make do without their captain, who was a dominant force in this series. Some other news to pass along. Carter Verhage of the Florida Panthers did not participate in their morning skate. Coach Andrew Brunette telling reporters in Washington on Friday morning that something happened to Verhage and that it's been, quote, lingering, and he is a game-time decision. The Florida Panthers' leading scorer in this series who factored into all five goals in their 5-3 comeback win over the Caps in Game 5 is a game-time decision, so that's going to be important. He has 10 points on the series in five games. And the Ted Lindsay Award 
finalists were announced on Friday morning. Austin Matthews from the Toronto Maple Leafs, Connor McDavid, as well as Roman Yossi is the third finalist for his 90-plus point season, something a defenseman has not done in 30 years. So those are our Ted Lindsay Trophy or Ted Lindsay Award finalists, I should say, as voted by the National Hockey League Players Association. Significant award, Matt, but let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's drop the puck with that Leaf game last night. You know, it's a lot of people have been saying it throughout the playoffs so far that the Leafs are just going to find a way to Leaf and that this is a creative way to tell the same old story Yet here the Leafs are staring down another Game 7 on Saturday night at Scotiabank Arena against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champs. Is this the same story all over again, or do you have reason to believe the Leafs can win? Well, I've been as skeptical as anyone all season claiming that it's going to be the same old story. They're not going to be believable until they do it. But I think if we look at the way this series has transpired, we've seen signs. Game one, the five-minute major, they bounce back from that. They win that game. They come back down from two goals in, in game five. They come back from two goals down in game six. To me, they're showing a different kind of resiliency. And I thought, especially in game six, they played with a different level of confidence. I thought they made smart decisions with the puck other than Alex Kerfoot. He had a bit of a bad game. But overall, especially in that overtime, they outshoot Tampa 9-5. They just looked confident. They didn't look scared. They looked like they actually wanted it. And I thought Austin Matthews in particular was having that star moment. He has a goal. He has nine hits in the game, a couple takeaways. He wins 65% of his faceoffs. He just looked like he was ready and wanting to take the team on his back. That's what you want to see from your superstar. So I think if you're trying to find positives, they look different going into this game. They look more confident than I think they did last year and the year before and the year before and the year before. And it goes on and on. <laughs> yeah, as you mentioned, year after year after year, the Toronto Maple Leafs in the Matthews and Marner era, as you can see here, 0 and 8 in closeout games with the opportunity to advance. Going all the way back to 2018 against the Boston Bruins in Game 7, they've had so many cracks at it. And I think you look at Game 6 as well as they played, the truth and the the fact of the matter is they still had a lead on the Tampa Bay Lightning in the third period and weren't able to close it out. So my thought process is until they actually do step up and do it, it's worthy or there it at least makes sense to have the same continued conversation and ask the same questions. I've just seen no evidence to your point that this is the same Leafs team given the way that they've played, given that They've actually been the better team, I think, in this series. It's been them punching and the, the Tampa Bay Lightning responding. And if you look at this series and how it's shaped up, I think we all probably would have thought heading into this that this would be a seven-game series, one that goes the distance, and here we are. That's right. And I do wonder if the Lightning's legs are going to catch up to them as well in Game 7. I think we saw it in the overtime. They looked a little overmatched. And this team has played 54 playoff games now in the last three postseasons, including this one. So eventually, you're going to finally lose those legs. No team has three-peated as Stanley Cup champions since the New York Islanders. Not even the Edmonton Oilers. Not even that dynasty had a three-peat. That's how hard it is to do it. Yeah, and another impressive stat, the Tampa Bay Lightning now 17-0 following a loss. Andre Vasilevsky, a 9.43 save percentage in those 17 games. We'll talk a little bit more about the Toronto Maple Leafs and Tampa Bay Lightning coming up in our All-32 with David Alter. But let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers. And you talked about Austin Matthews and the Leafs star power on display in Game 6. 
much the same out west in Los Angeles as Connor McDavid puts the Oilers on his back would not be denied. You could tell from opening puck drop the way that he took that puck and wrapped it in around Jonathan Quick that this was going to be the Oilers night. He ends up with one goal, two assists, three points on the night as the Oilers stave off elimination against the Kings force game seven on Saturday night at Rogers Place. When you look at this team and and the topsy-turvy roller coaster series that this has been going back and forth, Matt, who has the edge in game seven? I think you have to give it to the Oilers, of course, going back home and their star power is definitely shining through. We saw it. It was only a couple minutes in the game. McDavid goes into God mode. The Oilers go with the nuclear option, of course, putting McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl together. It's a sign of desperation, but it works. I do think as well, we have to give a shout out to the Oilers depth. Their forward depth, I think, has been better than expected in the series. Evander Kane's got seven goals in this series and we can talk all we want about his off-ice exploits, but there's no denying he's been a phenomenal fit with this team and he's gelled well with the Oilers, whether he's playing with McDavid or not. I do think we have to keep a really close eye on Leon Dreisaitl and his health. We know he was nicked up in this game. He was a bit hobbled. And I believe it's an ankle. It's something in the lower body. That's the type of thing you can play on when it happens in that game. You're running on adrenaline, but it can swell up overnight. So are we going to get Leon Dreisaitl at 100% in Game 7? I think that's a crucial question going into Game 7. Yeah, totally agree with you. You know, it was one thing to finish off the game, but how does he respond once he takes that skate off? What kind of pain is he in on Friday as he gets back to Edmonton? And was Evander Kane holding up the seven for the seven goals or was it for the fact that there's going to be a game seven? I heard it was to to signify game seven, but I guess it works kind of as a a double entendre. And I think... (laughs) An amazing series. And again, if you're looking at the Oilers' depth in this one, it's an advantage that I do think they now have over the Kings because Victor Arvidsson, we know, is out for the series. They haven't had Drew Doughty. I just think the Kings are kind of like the little soapbox racer that's losing parts. It's just going to barely make it to the finish line. They've given a valiant effort. They've been a really banged up team all year, but I don't know if they have the horses anymore. Yeah, fair. But you also did say that the St. Louis Blues were a paper tiger before round one. So uh, soapbox racer here for the LA Kings. We'll see how they fare in game seven. Uh, One thing to keep an eye on, too, is the Oilers' defense. I thought a valiant effort without Darnell Nurse. They were much cleaner in their own end. The Sean Dursey power play goal, uh, you know, that's one thing. I thought they just really limited the Kings to the outside and did a strong, strong job. Chris Russell hopping into the lineup. Uh, you know, I just thought that they looked way better and cleaner on point detailed in their own end, which is going to be a key, no doubt, in game seven. So speaking of those paper tigers, St. Louis Blues, they have now a date with the Colorado Avalanche, the only round two matchup that is set. And that's by virtue of them knocking off the Minnesota Wild in game six on Thursday night. And when I look at this series, Matt, I'm saying, man, I'm, I'm not surprised that the St. Louis Blues won, even though that sound you hear is my bracket blowing up because it's busted as I picked the Minnesota Wild to win the Stanley Cup. I knew that that was fraught with peril because they could very well not make it out of the series and they didn't. But my issue is with how surprising it played out from a Wild perspective. To lose three straight to the Blues who were so banged up Game four, they have a chance to take a three-to-one series lead playing against a Blues lineup that had four defensemen in it with a total of 15 games playoff experience between them, and they can't get it done. Uh, Their big stars go quiet. The Blues make a change to Jordan Binnington. They end up rolling now, 
into a second round matchup with Colorado. Did, did I say paper tiger? I meant to say paper mache tiger. I guess the blues are a little more solid than, than I expected, but you're right. To me, it was really shocking the way the series played out, especially because of the wild, they were looking pretty good. I think I got you laughing there, Frankie. Good news. But they were looking good games into the series, right? And I thought the Blues' defensive woes were catching up to them. But to me, I think the difference in the series was goaltending. The Wilds' goaltending failed. The Marc-Andre Fleury wasn't good enough. He faltered a little bit down the stretch. And Dean Evison puts Cam Talbot into a really tough spot, being dropped in cold to a series with their team facing elimination. He gives up a goal to Nick Letty. I mean, Nick Letty undressing the entire wild team was a bit of a surprise, but the shot itself, probably one Cam Talbot should have had. But at the same time, he's just being dropped into this elimination game. And on the other side, you have Jordan Bennington, who takes over for Billy Huso and looks smooth. He's got that killer instinct back. Suddenly, he's looking a little bit more like 2019 Jordan Bennington and his puck handling. As Mike McKenna points out on our website right now, dailyfaceoff.com, the puck handling of Bennington gave the wild problems as well. They couldn't adjust to the adjustment the Blues made in that, and maybe the Wild got outcoached in the series. I think they definitely got outcoached. There's no question about that. Craig Berube seemed to press all the right buttons from the lineup decisions that he made with the injuries that they were facing to going to Bennington when I probably would have stuck with Huso. On the flip side, do you think Dean Everson will regret not putting Marc-Andre Fleury in there for game six? I think so. I think you need that continuity and you need Fleury. He's been the goalie for the entire series. He's proven he has the experience. He has the Stanley Cup rings. This is why you traded for him and you're not going to start him in an elimination game because he has a couple so-so games. It's not like he was terrible, absolutely terrible. So to me, I think it was a very regrettable decision by Dean Evison because you're not giving Flurry the chance he deserves. It's why you traded for him. And also, like I said, just putting in Talbot cold. It's a hard situation for him to, to win. The Minnesota Wild, with next to no playoff success in their franchise history, will have plenty of time to think about that decision. So that brings us to the Homer Simpson series, and I call it that because the home team has not only won every game in this series, but has also done so in pretty convincing fashion. The Boston Bruins walloping the Carolina Hurricanes in Game 6 to force a Game 7 on Saturday in what has been a house of horrors for the bees this series they've gotten smoked and as i mentioned every team has at home the home team outscoring the visitor by a 29 to 10 margin in this series matt does it matter going into game seven or do you give the hurricanes the edge here or how do you look at it I think it matters in this series. I think the momentum has been really clear. It's been an emotional series. It's been a scrappy series. And I think the, the crowd's got in on it, especially, of course, in Boston, but even in the media with Tony D'Angelo, Brad Marchand, there's just been a lot of bad blood. And I think in that situation, the home crowd is really going to make a difference in this one. Carolina also pretty dominant in the regular season. If you count the three playoff wins, 32-8-4 at home this, this year. So they're a really tough team to beat in their own rink. And it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, the Canes, their penalty kill has sagged a bit in this series. The Bruins power play is taking over. And to me, that's really important because I think Boston's going to try and drag this game into the mud. It's what they do best. It's more important now for them than it was when they were a dominant team in, in earlier years. Now they're kind of the underdog. So it's their goal always to take the more talented, deeper team, drag them into the mud, make them play undisciplined hockey. So that's probably what we're going to, we're going to see from Boston in game seven. If they can do that, it's going to be close, but I still think Carolina has to have the edge. They've just been so dominant at home. The Brad Martian doesn't drag anyone to the mud. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I look at this series and I look at the missed opportunity for Carolina in game six. You mentioned their special teams 
How about their power play? Four opportunities in the second period alone on Thursday night. They hit a couple crossbars, some good looks, don't get it done. And they're now, you know, heading home, you know, wondering about those types of opportunities and need to give credit. We mentioned the changes that Craig Berube made. How about Bruce Cassidy separating the perfection line again? Pasternak going down to that second line. They just looked like a different and better team. And also wanted to get your take, just a small little quibble on my part. How do you feel about an afternoon game seven, 4.30 Eastern start on Saturday? I kind of like it from a viewership perspective because it's going to be a steady IV drip of game seven from 4.30 just about until, I don't know, one o'clock in the morning. But how do you feel? I like the metaphor, the IV drip injected into my veins. I, I, I like it. I know anyone playing in game seven in, during the day, I think that's a tough spot to be in because every player has their circadian rhythms, their routine, their naps, their meals. It's going to be a little bit tough. It's going to throw them off. But from a fan perspective, and if I'm, if I'm approaching enjoying these games as a fan, which I believe it's, it's fun to do, this is awesome. I love seeing the staggered games. It's like the NHL has learned from the regular season when it was like, okay, let's do uh, 16 games at 7 p.m. all at the same time. Now they're finally learning. They're staggering it. They're maximizing the viewing experience. And that's what it's really all about. This is still a business at the end of the day. Yeah, you would think that they've learned, but they did also start their Stanley Cup playoffs on a Monday. So maybe not. Uh, let's get to the All-32 delivered by DoorDash. That's right. Pleased to welcome back to the Daily Faceoff show, David Alter, live from Tampa, where he was covering game six of the Toronto Maple Leafs and lightning series for the LeafsNation.com. This is the All 32 delivered by DoorDash. David, in the hours since game six, we heard Sheldon Keefe speak on Friday morning about the confidence that the Toronto Maple Leafs have heading into game seven. Probably a bit of a weird word for you to hear if you're a Leaf fan, but why should the Leafs have some confidence? Why do you think Sheldon Keefe feels that they have confidence? I think if you look at some of my numbers and you and you look at their resilience in games five and six coming back from two nothing down in, in the fashion the way they did it and 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 also the opponent it's the two-time defending stanley cup champions uh whenever the leafs talked all throughout the year about why this year would be different and, and the growth that they've taken and and going through some hard times before they've always looked at tampa as the model for uh, going through the tough times like when they got swept against columbus in 2019 and then just running things forward so uh there's been a lot of low points this season but in this series they they've had and you you made matt mentioned it off the top of the show that that major penalty that they took early in the series they come back and they fight through that uh and and the battles that they're doing and, and the jumps that they have from a lot of different players from an individual standpoint i think is the reason why i think he sends a different attitude from the group that this is just another opportunity for them and they're not really looking in the past tense that game six was more of an opportunity missed Dave, you and I go way back to our school days and we've been around a lot of Leaf fans going to school in Ontario. We've seen what they go through, the ups and downs, how jaded they are. So if I'm a Leaf fan asking you right now, what is the reason to believe it's going to be different this time after my soul has been crushed again and again and again, eight times in the Marner's Matthew era when they have a chance to move on? Why is it going to happen this time? 
I think this year they've done a better job of adjusting to situations. Um, the template, the way things are called, things like that, that I, I had not really seen before. Uh, what was really interesting about game six in, in particular was that you know, after a penalty filled games one through five, there weren't as many in game six and they've managed to uh, just kind of roll with it and, and get that little extra shove and that little extra push off a player where before maybe they were kind of not finishing the checks, finishing the battles and and that would lead to opportunities the other way and, and, and adjustments. So it, it's weird. It, it's such a small little battle within the game, but I don't see them sitting back when when the times are getting tough. And and that's been different. I mean, I didn't really see that against Montreal either in that series, but then game seven uh, was really different. It wasn't like any, a game that anyone expected. They really did just kind of sit back. But the attitude from the players coming out after losing game six, I thought, having covered this team for many years, they would be dejected. They would just kind of, you know, be down but also try to put on a brave face. It didn't look like they were putting on a brave face last night. They literally legit look like they believe that they can get the job done. And I think it's really the opponent that they're playing against that gives them the most confidence than, than playing a Montreal or Columbus that maybe mentally going in, but you think this is a team that they should handily beat. Yeah, it's interesting, David. I actually thought this was the Leafs' best first-round matchup just from that pure psyche perspective that they wouldn't have to carry the burden of being the favorite and the team that's necessarily expected to win throughout the round. This may sound like a silly question, but should the Leafs have some cause for concern going up against Andre Vasilevsky? And I say it's silly because he's given up three goals in each of the six games so far in this series, at least three goals. But he really looked to be dialed in towards the latter part of game six and especially in overtime. Yeah, Frank, I think that's that's a legit concern going into this. I mean, the question outside of this glove save he had in the early second period of game two, he really hadn't looked like he was the the Vesna Trophy winner, the two-time cup winning goalie before. And then he's starting to kind of find his game and get in there. And, you know, I think a lot of that was a product of the Leafs getting bodies in front of him. You know, if he sees everything, he's he's dialed in. But in this series, the Leafs had actually done a good job of crashing the net, getting in there and taking the eyes away. So I think if now he's in this groove where you really haven't seen the best version of him, there there is a legit reason to be concerned. The Leafs have been doing these things before. And, and Game 7, I expect, will be a lot like Game 6. There were only, what, 12 penalty minutes in Game 6 because something was on the line? I wouldn't be surprised if there were fewer. And because of that, I, I think you're going to see a, another tight game. It was really tight last night. And, and because of that, Someone like a Vasilevsky was can thrive in that. I think the Leafs have to kind of go out in that early mode of just crashing the net and providing the offense. That that was their key. And the more they sit back and the more they kind of play the tight checking game on their other side is is less that they're doing to kind of get in Vasilevsky's face. So if Vasilevsky can bring back the form, yeah, I think that's a legit concern for them. They they really kind of have to do what was working for them in game one to five to kind of keep the success going in that sub 900 save percentage that he was having. Yeah, I think if there's one reason to nitpick the Leafs in game six or to criticize, it's that 
throughout the third period, even before the penalties, they really did seem to feel like they were kind of sitting back a little bit, not as aggressive as they were through the first two, trying to nurse that three to two lead. So Peter, uh, so excuse me, David, give me your pick. What's your pick for game seven? Who you got? It's tough. I actually had in this series, the Leafs winning it in six. I was all writing, all, all set up and then Kind of had to save it and put it in the, We've the all been there for possibly tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, I, I didn't actually put myself in a headspace to think about what might happen in a game seven. But I still do think they get the job done because there is this feel that it's different. Like it, it really does feel like someone like an Austin Matthews is just not going to let this get away from him. He just seems to be really locked in and in a way I haven't really seen him before. And so unless he's double, triple covered or something really bad happens, I just don't see him kind of letting the opposition get the better of him in that game seven. It's a moment that someone like him is built for. And I think it's could define his career. So I still think the Leafs are going to win this in seven. Man, I've been saying it and Matt agreed. This is appointment viewing this entire series for this exact reason. Either they're going to slay the dragon and and uh, vanquish all their demons, or it's going to be the same old, same old with so many questions to answer this summer. Thanks so much to David Alter live from Tampa. He's heading back to Toronto for game seven on Saturday night. And you can read all of his work at the Leafs Nation. Dot com part of the nation network thank you to david this has been the all 32 delivered by doordash you see the promo codes there at the bottom of your screen dfodd if you're in canada dfodd us if you're in the united states that gets you 25 percent off and free delivery on your first order with doordash all your favorites and more delivered right to your door All right, Matt, time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hashtag ask DFO. We've got three game sevens on Saturday. How many will we have on Sunday? We will have one game seven on Sunday. It will feature the New York Rangers and Pittsburgh Penguins. We know Sidney Crosby is out for game six. We know how important he is to that team, how he drives the play. The Rangers, I think, have their confidence now. They realize the opportunity they have. Ricard Raquel, also game time decision. And Igor Shesterkin, I still think it's not too late for him to have his moment in this series. He's still the best goalie in the world or was during the regular season. It's not like he's going to be terrible in every single game throughout the playoffs. So I think there's an opportunity for him to get back on track, especially with no three of Crosby out there shooting. So that goes to seven. Panthers, Capitals, I think Florida got their scare and they've shown they made a comeback as well. They've, I think their depth is starting to win out now. They got rid of their scare and I think the Capitals, they just don't quite have the horses to keep up. I think Alex Ovechkin, maybe he's even playing hurt. We know he got hurt late in the season. There've been plenty of shots of him grimacing on the bench during games as well. So I think the Capitals are out of steam. Calgary, Dallas, I think the same thing. The Flames got their scare. They're over the hump. Their secondary scoring has woken up. Andrew Mangiapane, Michael Backlund, both converging for goals in the last game as well. So I think the Flames are ready to shut it down. I think we see two on Sunday. I think you're right mm. in that the Flames close it out in game six. Um, but for me, the Panthers and this Verhage injury, if he doesn't play, I think that looms large. You have to rejig your lineup if you're Andrew Burnett. And I know that the the Panthers have sort of feels like it. they've figured it out against the Caps, but... 
the bottom line is they were down by three goals. And I know they're the comeback cats, but if they spot the Caps any sort of lead like that, to think that they're going to continually do it again and again, I just think that means they'd be destined for game seven. So either the Panthers come out of the gate and, and firing at right out of the chute, or they could be in for a long night as the Caps have shown that they don't need a ton of offense in order to try and win. They are militant in their approach, trying to slow the Panthers down through the neutral zone. And you're right. I think the Rangers force game seven, that Crosby injury has no pun intended flip this series on its head. So let's bring in Tyler Uremchuk for our daily face-off daily bet segment. A big night for Tyler Uremchuk. Uh, yeah, we got the Connor McDavid goal. Too bad we didn't get the Leon Dreisaitl goal, but my strategy kind of worked, and that always feels good. I said, you know, at least one of them would score. I was taking the gamble on two, but we still made a little bit of profit last night. And I do like Matt's picks more than yours, Frank, because if you remember back at the beginning of the series here, beginning of the first round, I parlayed Florida and Calgary to each win their series in six games or sooner. So I'm definitely rooting for them tonight. But I have two other plays I'll be watching this evening. So let's jump into it, courtesy of our friends at Winsbet Canada, starting with the Rangers and Penguins. Minus 125 on the money line. Still, I think this line is going to shift. If you want to bet on it, I would jump on it as quick as you can. I think a lot of public money will start coming in on the Rangers now that we know Sidney Crosby isn't playing in game six. I agree with Matt's point that I think Igor Shesterkin can still have himself a signature game in this series. And I think minus 125 is a really, really good price here. For the Rangers, and I'm actually going to go ahead and throw half a unit on the puck line as well and chase a little bit of juice here on a Friday night because plus 185 is also a tremendous payout. So I love the Rangers, a unit on the money line, half a unit on the puck line. And for my player prop, I'm going to go with two because initially my plan was to go with Carter Verhage as my play. He's plus 180 to pick up an assist tonight. And I mean, this guy's hit this in three of the five games in this series, and he just had a monster night in game five. Plus 180 is insane value on this prop but he's a game time decision so even if you bet on it if he doesn't play you're going to get your money back so it's kind of risk free in that sense i suppose i'm also going to play claude Giroux to pick up an assist he's only hit it in two of the five games but i've loved going to this prop during the regular season he was an assist monster with the with the panthers at least in the regular season plus 120 is a solid payout so verhage and Giroux, i like both their assist props and i'm rolling with the rangers before the seventh game frank you know what's interesting, Tyler? I thought that there would be a bigger swing in the odds for the New York Rangers with yeah. Sidney Crosby being out. It doesn't seem like the books are recognizing that much of a change either that or they already baked it in, it seems, because the line really hasn't moved much since the Penguins confirmed uh, after the morning skate that Sidney Crosby was out. We'll keep an eye on that. By the way, the Verhage play, you might want to just put it in anyway, because I think if the player will, doesn't yeah. play, it's no bet. So uh, something yep. to keep an eye on as well. Thank you to Tyler. Let's see how you do this weekend. And that brings us to Garbage Time with Matt Larkin. Matt, I cede the floor to you. What has caught your eye from Game 6s on Thursday night? Well, we know the defining narrative. I would say the defining narrative of the playoffs so far has been the change in the officiating or the lack thereof because it's been consistent from the regular season to the playoffs. It's being called much stricter. There's sort of a league-wide standard. It's been established in every single series. But I was looking closely because I kept saying to myself, okay, I'm going to call the bluff here. Let's see what happens when we get to crunch time. And we saw a couple of games last night, the games that were blowouts had nine power plays, 11 power plays. But if you look at the two games that were close, the Leafs lightning, four total power plays. And if you look at the third period after the five on three in overtime, there was 29 minutes and 46 seconds played, almost half a game. 
with no penalties called. And we saw Austin Matthews getting tugged, held for five seconds by Alex Kalorn. Also in the Oilers-Kings games, only five power plays in that one. And there was one in the third period, just one penalty total in the third period. I think there were a few questionable calls, maybe an interference on Dreisaitl that the Kings got away with. So I'm starting to get skeptical again. I'm not going to say it's over and the, and the whistles are officially going in the pockets, but I want to see what happens in the game sevens and the remaining game sixes. And if they go to game sevens over the weekend, and if we see a bunch of whistles just disappearing in the third period, I think we can throw the idea out the window that the playoffs are going to be called the same as the regular season. Yeah, it would just be the same old, same old that the deeper you go in a round, the more the whistles go in the pocket and, you know, you basically need to commit a felony in order to end up going to the penalty box. And I personally like the old school way. That's kind of how it used to be. I can understand the complaint from managers and from players saying, look, it's one way in the regular season, another way in the playoffs. But it's no accident to me that a veteran official like a Kelly Sutherland, for instance, was calling that game six in Tampa on Thursday night because, you know, they want the guys out there that have the experience and are probably more likely to call the game that way. Um, So going to be interesting to see what happens here. And by the way, just for um, context on the officiating, I saw a really interesting tweet today from our pal Micah Blake McCurdy, who runs HockeyViz.com. He tweeted out a graph. He has um, all of the last eight playoff runs Uh, charted out penalties by round. And we always kind of think, Matt, that the penalties go down as you go further in the playoffs. And that's only been true in five out of the eight years. Strangely enough, the penalties have ticked up in three of the last eight playoffs as the series have gone on deeper towards the Stanley Cup final. So really interesting stuff, a trend that we'll obviously be continuing to monitor at dailyfaceoff.com. Matt, great stuff today. That'll do it for today's edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Thank you to David Alter, Tyler Uremchuk, and, of course, Matt Larkin and our technical producer, Alex Allard. It's been a blast. Three game sixes, three elimination games on Friday night, three game sevens on Saturday. We'll see how many game sevens we have on Sunday, and we'll have no doubt a ton to break down and potentially a lot to look forward to in round two on Monday. You know where to find us, 12 noon Eastern. Until then. Have a great weekend, everyone, and enjoy the games. Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.